We're starting a brand new series this morning called The Challenge, or, or really The One Year Challenge. And as many of you saw, Brett giving really a, a testimony of, of what God has taken him through and, and where he is now. I, I remember it like yesterday, Brett came to a back-to-school blowout in 2017, and for the first time, really got to know and experience our church and, and our youth group, and it was kind of crazy that night, which, by the way, Paul's hashtag, can I just say, because of your giving, because you choose to worship God with your giving and invest into the kingdom of God, we were able to put on an event, have giveaways and gift cards and things like that, and Brett came to an event because you gave. How cool is that? And now we can, yeah, come on, that's worthy of praise, y'all. If you clap, clap. Just go ahead and get it out. Thank you, Jesus. What's cool about Brett's story is that he continued to come and, and be a part of our youth group for several months and into 2018. And right before the summer, I, I felt convicted about preaching a message that preached on the biblical truths of homosexuality. And, and, and Brett coming from that specific lifestyle. And, and he told me, he, he gave me permission to share some of his story with you this morning. Um, it, was, it was then at that moment, he, he ended up leaving. He was like, you know what, this church ain't for me if they're gonna preach at me, which I, I, I didn't necessarily preach at him, but you know, I preached with him, and, but he left, he was gone. Didn't give us another chance. Give us, I was like, no, come back. And it was through a relationship that he had with a, a, a young lady uh, being able to invite him back, pleading with him, begging him, hey, listen, you should come back. I promise you, like, that was not, we're, our intention is not to, you know, shove you away, but our intention is to speak life and love, and, and so we want you to come back. And so, like you heard in his testimony, he came back around Christmas, gave his heart to the Lord, began the one-year challenge, and he's been with us ever since. And now he's a Bible college student living for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Serving the Lord. Faithful. He's on our team. And listen, like many of you, uh, you may understand Brett has this story, this process like we all do. And, and he's accepted the one-year challenge, which is cool. But it's like many of you, the one-year challenge is really a phrase that we began to say uh, not too long ago to our guests at the end of our services, we began to, to give what we call the one-year challenge. And that was to, hey, give us a year. Give us a year at the church, a year of your life to get plugged in, to get involved. Try us out for one year because so often we come as a guest and we say, hey, I'm gonna give this church like a shot. Like if they, if you better wow me, you better woo me, pastor, or if not, then I'm out of 5,000. And what's crazy is a lot of times, maybe you're a guest this morning. First of all, come back <laughs> because Pastor Chris is awesome, okay? He is the pastor. He's bigger, stronger, faster in every way, and he likes to brag about it, okay? <laughs> Just saying. And I've got a manlier beard. We know, okay? Love you, bro. Uh, <laughs> and he's my brother-in-law, so it's, yes, I married his sister. What's up, girl? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm a youth pastor, okay? <laughs> if you haven't gathered that now. Oh, squirrel. Okay, no. But what's cool about this one-year challenge is this gives you an opportunity to try our church out, to practice, you know, worshiping God with your giving, not just one time, but seeing what our church is really all about throughout the year, right? It gives you an opportunity to know just more than just a glimpse or from a just one-time perspective. And so 
he accepted that one-year challenge, and we still give that one-year challenge to every guest that comes in to, to go through next steps, which is right after 11.15 service today, by the way, right there in the kids' room. We'd love for you to practice worshiping God with your giving. Let that be something that you get involved with doing if you haven't started yet. But just like Brett's story, and just like all of your stories, I'm sure that, that we have this challenge. Come on, we're living through a challenging season right now, amen? And, and just like Brett's story and, and all of our stories and what we're facing right now, can I, can I just encourage you? There was a man in the Bible, a young man at this, this point, we're gonna reference throughout this series, and his name was Joseph. And Joseph, if you heard about Joseph, uh, Joseph had a coat of many colors. It was beautiful. It was cool looking. You know, all the, all the other guys wanted to have the same little coat as Joseph. Not really, but it's cool. It fits the story. But we're going to be reading about Joseph. And, and I don't know about you, but there's a certain process that we have to walk through. There's a certain process that Joseph walked through. There's a certain process that Brett walked through. And, and we're going to be talking about the process. In fact, the, the, the title of my message today is called Trust the Process. Listen, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when we walk through the process, we get a little confused, maybe even a little discouraged. Maybe we can feel a little overwhelmed. And it's a lot of times due to the processes we trust and the processes we put our hope in. Like if you put your hope and trust in the process of the government. It, can, we, can we pause that? Can we? No, I'm kidding. Okay. If you put your, pro, your hope and trust in the process of the school board, I'm sorry. Teachers, don't you be mad at me, okay? <laughs> I know you're with me. Anyway, all right. No. If you put your trust and hope in the process of Walmart. <laughs> Listen, I love Walmart, okay? I got this shirt from Walmart. That's why I wore it today. But a lot of times, we just don't understand the process. Like, why only have one entrance? <laughs> Like you're herding cattle into one little thing right there. Just, uh, just open up two entrances. I'm just saying. I'm just, okay, I digress. No, a lot of times we put our hope, and listen, I love those entities. Our government is doing a good job. Our, our school board, they're doing a good job. Walmart is doing a good job. Thank you, Walmart, okay? From the heart, for real. But a lot of times we put our hope and trust more in those entities than we do the word of God. And it gets us in trouble. It gets us in this whirlwind of emotion, and we're just freaking out. I don't know what's next in this whole process. I want my kid to go to school because I can't teach them every day. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? We're, so many times we get caught up in the processes of everything else around us, but when we put our hope and trust in the process in which God has for us, sometimes we still don't get it. Sometimes we still get a little overwhelmed, and it's God's process. Watch the process in which God had for Joseph. Joseph had this coat of many colors. We're going to be picking up in chapter 37 of Genesis, chapter, or verse 3. It says this, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other brothers, his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he had made an ornate robe, coat of many colors, for him. All right, let's continue reading in the next verse. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told to his brothers, he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. He explains this to him. Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when 
Suddenly, my sheaf rose upright and stood, and while your sheaves, they gathered around mine, they began to bow before my tall and upright sheaf. The, the craziest dreams that Joseph had were a, a little wild. Verse 8, his brothers said to him, because of this dream, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? In fact, they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Listen, this dream and this coat of many colors were not helping Joseph. In fact, Joseph would have another dream about some planets bowing to his main planet. This is weird, okay? The story is getting, a re- I mean, really crazy. But what I love about Joseph is that he's just being honest. This was a God-given dream. This was, I'm just telling y'all my dream. Why y'all got to be hating on me like that, right? <laughs> Joseph didn't understand what was about to happen next. In fact, let me, let me, let me set this up for you. Joseph would inevitably be thrown into slavery. In fact, his brothers wanted to kill him. They wanted to absolutely murder him. They had this plan set out. They were going to take his robe, and they were going to kill him. But in fact, Reuben stood up, one of the brothers. He said, hey, guys, we can't kill him. We can't do this. We, we actually, we, it, it, murdering him would be so wrong, but you would sell him. In fact, some of the other brothers, they had this other idea. They said, hey, what benefit would it do if we killed him? Let's sell him and make some money off of him. What a great idea. This is genius. (laughs) By the way, who comes up with this stuff? Okay, I'm just saying. But what happens is they sell him, they take his coat from him, they, they bash it up and they tear it and they put goat's blood on it and they give it to their father and they tell Israel that your son is dead. Your favorite son is dead. When really they just saw some oncoming merchants and they sold their youngest brother, Joseph, to the merchants. I'm sure as Joseph was riding on the backside of this wagon or this cart and he's literally sitting there. I can picture it now. He's in chains and he's thinking to himself of that dream. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for this dream. (laughs) the process <laughs> who knew right who knew that that it was going to end up the way that it did i'm sure on the back side of this cart when when joseph was on his way to egypt he never could have thought or imagined that this would be the process in which god had for him and it's the same thought that we oftentimes have especially during this season during this challenge during this process god is this the process you had for me I'm sure when our seniors graduated in 2020, they all thought, God, is this the senior year you had for me? Wow, this is awesome. I'm sure a lot of times when our kids got out of school, you know, for an eight-month summer, they were thinking, God, I like the process you have for me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) This is awesome. Best summer ever. And the parents said, stop it. We don't understand the processes a lot of times, but, but just like Joseph and just like Brett, sometimes we may not get it, we may not understand it, but we need to equip ourselves with things to make it through the, pro- the process, to power through the process. And number one, if you're taking notes, we need to understand that through the process, we have to run at God's pace. We need to run at God's pace because oftentimes through this life, we run at our own pace. You go in, the, go in the gym, you get on the treadmill, you like to set your own pace. And, and, and many of you, you wake up, you know, at chicken 30 in the morning when the rooster crows, 
ah, you know, I'm more of like a, you know, 6.30 kind of guy, not like 4.30. You do you though, boo-boo. Uh, but what's crazy is it's just it's a lot of times that's our mentality. Got to wake up, hustle, grind. It's time to get that bread. It's time to get that cheddar, right? I, listen, maybe you don't get up like that. I don't get up like that either. <laughs> In fact, I don't know anybody. Maybe you do. But listen, I, I know a lot of times I don't understand the, the human condition that we have is we got to wake up. And a lot of times we look and seek promotions because it gets us more what? Money. And a lot of times we put our stability and our hope and our trust in monetary things because we think it's, it's what God has for us. But a lot of times our process looks a lot like Joseph's. And a lot of times, all of a sudden, if things are good and everything is great and you're making a lot of money because you're hustling and you're grinding and you're going at the pace that you feel like you're setting for yourself is awesome and awesome and is great and awesome and everything's wonderful and everything's going just like you said it. All of a sudden, you get to a place where it's like corona hits and the, the stock market crashes and everybody's trying to figure out if we're going to go to one money thing or the other, and I don't know what's up from down, and I, I don't know where, and God's just not in this. But when you were making money, God was in it. So many times we, we don't understand the process, and we don't run at God's pace. Can I read this scripture to you? This is found in Hebrews chapter 12, and this is a totally different view that I've actually read this. I've never seen this before, and I want to show it to you today. Verse 1 of chapter 12 in Hebrews says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily ensnares us, tangles us, that we get, that we get so wrapped up in things that trip us up. And let us run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, I have a young man coming out here right now. He's setting a little something, something up, but I want you to understand. I want you to, I want you to picture this. I want you to get this. I want you to concentrate because it's about to get really good. God has set this race up for us. He has set it up. He is setting up the race of life in which we run, the process in which we run. In the next verse, in verse 2, it says that we do this by keeping our eyes on who? On who? On Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So, Pastor Weston, are you telling me God sets the race and Jesus sets the pace? Yes. God sets the race and Jesus sets the pace. Everybody say hello to Jesus. He's in the room. It's crazy. It's wild to think about Jesus being in church. Come on, somebody. So, so, many, so many times, so often, God lays out this, this well-to-do race, and it looks like an obstacle course. <laughs> How many times does life look like an obstacle course? How many times do we, we see this race of life, and it looks like we're about to do football drills, and we're already tired. We hadn't even run nothing yet. <laughs> But yet we fix our eyes on Jesus instead of looking at the race, instead of looking at the process, which could be so enduring, which could be so 
detrimental, which could look a little crazy at times, but we don't look at what the race or the process may look like. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we keep up with his pace, no matter what the pace may be. A lot of times it's a lot quicker. It's a lot faster than we intended to go. And a lot of times it's a little bit slow and it just slows down and you're ready. Like you're excited and you're wanting to go and you just, you can't, it's like, Jesus, come on, man. Come on. We got to hustle. We got to grind. We got to move. And you're like, Jesus, come on, man. And it's just so tiring. And you just feel like yawning and you're like, this is it. This is the race you marked out for me. Golly, I thought it was going to be faster than this. I'm ready to go, Pastor Weston. I'm ready to go. I mean, this is what, this is what life is all about, right? It's about hustling and grinding and God has called me to lead. And Jesus is just like, hang on. I want you to just walk for a minute. But so many times, a lot of times, instead of walking and following after Jesus, a lot of times we just want to walk at our own pace. We want to walk our own race. And we want to do what we want to do. And a lot of times we look at other races that people are walking or running, and we get, we get so entangled and so messed up and so fixated on what everybody else is doing that we've taken our eyes off of Jesus, and we're running a race that we were never intended to run. And we get to this place where all of a sudden we're lost, we're alone, we're afraid, and we're like, how did I get here? And Jesus is like, hey, bro, I've been over here that I've never moved. Just like pastor was preaching about last week, close the gap because you're running a race that you were never meant to run and you're, you're fixing your eyes on everything else that you were never meant to fix your eyes on. We're worried about this world. We're worried about Walmart. We're worried about the school board where your baby's going to go to school. And if you just fix your eyes on Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of everything else. You're so concerned about your babies and what they're going to have to do for school. Guess what? If you just trust him, I guarantee you he'll take care of you because he's faithful, because he's good. Come on, give Jesus a hand. <laughs> we run this race fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And when we do, we can embrace God's pace. We can run the race in which God has laid out for us. And when we do, everything seems to work out. It's the process. Listen, a lot of us are in a hurry. A lot of us are in a hurry. A lot of us are in a hurry to, to get to football season. A lot of us are in a hurry to get out of 2020, right? Pastor Lydia is in a hurry to get to Christmas. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yes, Lord. If you know Pastor Lydia, that's funny. If you don't, you need to know her playing Christmas music in the office. It's August. Hello. All right. We're ready to get to August. We're ready. We're ready to get to football season. We're in August. We're ready to get out of, we're, we're ready to get out of this season. We're in a hurry. We're in a hurry to, to get to other things. We're in a hurry to get out of what we're in right now. And listen, we're, we're so in a hurry to get back to normal, but God didn't call us to normalcy. He called us to live and walk at a pace of consistency. We can't just get, get back to normal and get back to where, you know, how school used to be. It's going to look a little different. It's going to feel a little different. But that doesn't mean that, well, I just don't want to ever do it again. I just don't. No, no, no. We trust God for the race that he's marked out for us and the pace in which he's set for us. And where you lead, Jesus, I will follow no matter what. Listen, something else that we need to 
keep in mind during this process is one we chase after, we run after, we walk after his pace, but we need to seek after his peace. Number two, we need to seek after his peace. Any of y'all ever seen those little memes like keep calm and X, Y, Z, keep calm and go Tigers, keep calm and don't panic, keep calm. <laughs> a lot of us need that during this season. Hey, man, right? A lot of us are freaking out over the unknown, over uncertainties. We're, 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 we're freaking out, we're panicking. And Jesus is calling us to have some peace in our life. I wanna read this scripture to you. This is found in Matthew chapter six, verse 30. It says this, and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers, that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Aren't you glad Jesus cares more about you than a wildflower? Amen. So don't worry about these things saying, well, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear and where are my kids gonna go to school and what's, what's the pandemic doing to my family now? And the, these are common occurrences. These are questions that we ask every day. Well, how am I gonna make money? How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna, what will I do? My wife asked the same question. What will I wear? I don't even know. Like, see you ladies, I know. These things dominate the thoughts. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And, but you need to understand something that your heavenly father already knows your needs. And in fact, it says in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, above everything else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you want. Sometimes we, we insert that. Sometimes we, oh, God's going to give me everything that I want. Come on, somebody, that new truck. Thank you, Jesus, that new house. Come on, some of you young men, I grew up doing it too. Lord, I want a woman that is blonde hair. And thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? A lot of times we do that. God, I want this in a spouse. And God, I want this in a house. And God, I want this in a mouse. I don't know. <laughs> I thought we were rhyming there for a minute. A lot of times... <laughs> We, we do that, but no, no, it doesn't say everything that we want. God will give us everything that we need. And sometimes you don't need certain things. Sometimes you don't need that 80-inch TV. I know, guys, I'm sorry, but sometimes we do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Sometimes he will give you everything that you need for the moment. Sometimes he will give you everything you need for the process to endure. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring for itself its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Again, look at our main character, Joseph. Joseph's on this cart, wagon, he's in chains, and he's on his way to Egypt. He gets sold to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is captain over the guard of Pharaoh in Egypt. At this time, Egypt is literally the most powerful entity in the world. They have chariots, they have horses, they have men and women for battle. Like it's just like these women were like, you know, dun, 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 gorgeous and beautiful. And all the other ladies in the world wanted to be like them. And they had the crazy little makeup and right. And what happens is, is all of a sudden Joseph finds himself in the house of Potiphar. And I want you to understand what happens next in this moment is that literally Joseph could have thrown in the towel. He could have, he could have just been done with this. 
God, this is the process that you have for me. I didn't know my brothers were going to sell me. I thought they were supposed to bow to me. I don't understand the process. I don't understand. Why is this so challenging? Why couldn't I just get what I want when I wanted it? And a lot of times that's our prayer too. Well, God, why can't my kids? Well, God, why can't my job? And we get that same way. But watch what happens with Joseph. This is found in chapter 39 of Genesis. It reads like this in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and, the, and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge over the household and he entrusted it to his care, everything that he owned. He put in everything that he owned in the care of Joseph. Why? Because God was with him. And a lot of times we like to do everything on our own because we think we can handle it. But we couldn't handle it before Jesus. What makes us think we can handle it now without him? And Joseph had success because the Lord was with him. Because the Lord stood by him. Because he chose to say, hey, you know what? In the midst of this chaos, in the midst of the crazy season that I may live in, guess what? I don't know up from down. I don't know left from right. I don't know. I can't even keep my head above water. I can't keep my finances in order. I feel like I'm enslaved to this thing. But God. But if I keep my hope in him, guess what? Everything's going to work out. Because it always does. Because God is good. Because he's faithful. And I know that's easy to say and harder to live out. It's easy to say, well, well hey, listen, just, just trust in his peace. When you lose a loved one, hey, just, hey, just peace and calm in him. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, that's easy for you to say, preacher. Listen, it's easy to accept and it's easy to hear, but it's harder to live out. Like walking in peace when you don't have it. When everybody else is looking to you because you go to that church in this community and you look like you don't have it all together, guess what? It's a real world, baby. But God, but if I can just put on the peace in my life, if I could just accept his peace for my life, then everything's going to be okay. Because it may be a storm raging out here, but it's peace in here. I can know and trust that he's got everything worked out for my good. I, I know like many of you, the several months, the last several months have been crazy for our family. Let me give you just a, a long story of, of just a snapshot of what Kelsey and I have been walking through. Back in 2019, uh, in the fall, we put our house on the market. Then we took it off because it just nobody was really biting on it. And then we put it back on the market uh, January of 2020, and then March hit. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have tried to sell a house during the pandemic. <laughs> don't. Not a good decision, but hey, if God calls you to, but God, what's been cool about this whole process is that in the midst of it all, right, we're selling our house and everything's great and we're going to try to find a house and it's awesome. We found out we're pregnant. I know, right? It's crazy. Three girls. Girl dad, hashtag girl dad. But what's crazy about this season is that we, we end up getting an offer on our house, finally, at the end of May. 
We accept the offer. Closing date is coming up really soon. In fact, this week. But then we're like, hey, we got to buy a house. We don't know where we're going to live. Hey. <laughs> so we begin to look, the search. We even contemplated at one point building a house. And that door quickly shut. <laughs> we thought about renting a house. And that door quickly shut. We actually, we put an offer in on one house. And the, the people were like, uh, we're not ready. We're not ready to sell it. And we're like, oh, okay. Thanks. That would have been good to know. Love you. Appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> Kelsey, where are we going to live? <laughs> With Chris and Megan? Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but for six months when we first moved here, we lived with Pastor Chris and Miss Megan. Um, it's a great season. It was fun. It was fun. We had fun. We had fun. But that was one less kid ago. And now, yeah, that was when Camry was six months old. And now we have a one-year-old and a four-year-old and one on the way. So it's been a crazy season. It's been a crazy season. Come to find out, we go look at this house that we actually at this point had looked at several previous times and, and we just, we, all the cons just seemed to outweigh the pros about the house. And we had, we had shut the door, but God said, <laughs> so we took Pastor Megan with us and of course she's our sister-in-law and she comes in there and she's like, y'all, I love this house, uh, right? <laughs> Y'all know. If you know, you know. <laughs> she looks at this house with us with literally no bias to it whatsoever. She said, y'all, this is the best house that y'all have looked at, the nicest house y'all have looked at in y'all's price range. It is. Like, hands down. Like, I think y'all should put an offer in on it. We're like, okay. <laughs> All of a sudden... Like we began to take our physical glasses off that we had looked at before. Like, no, no, don't like that. Don't like that color of that wall. And I would put some barn doors in there right there. And I would do this. And I don't even like the kitchen. I don't even like that layout. And all of a sudden we started looking at it with like a godly vision and saw God do some work. And it's like, man, this living room would be great for a small group. <laughs> man, in the midst of all this, we were trying to figure out what, how Cameron was going to go to school, and we really like that preschool teacher over there, Glendale. What's up? Shout out. <laughs> and I don't know if you've met Camry, but she loves Katie Richard. She's like, ah, my friend. <laughs> and so we're trying to get her in over at, at Glendale, and this house literally is right next to Glendale, like from here to the student center. And I'd be living next to Stuart Turner. I mean, that dude's a gangster, right? <laughs> In fact, there's two former pro athletes. But anyway, sorry, it's like a little name drop in there. I <laughs> just love you guys. But what was cool about it is all of a sudden, like God began to show us the, like this house in a different way that we'd never, we'd never seen before. And Philippians chapter four came to mind. And it says this in verse six, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, which is key, present your request to God. You know, so many times we come to God with our requests and we, we put it in a begging form. Hey, God, can I have, hey, God, do you think you can, hey, God, hey, would it be okay if, but instead of presenting God with all these requests, like he's some uh, slot machine, you know, that all right, God, what you gonna give me next? Or maybe some genie in a bottle. And it's like, all right, boom, there he is. Give me my three wishes. Let's go, God. 
Instead of treating him like that, what if we praised him and thanked him and prayed to him like he's the God of the universe? What if we came to him thanking him for all he's already done for us instead of praying for what we don't have? What if I just came to Jesus and I was like, you know what, Jesus, forget the house stuff. I'm thankful for breath in my lungs. I'm thankful for a beautiful wife. I'm thankful for kids that are healthy and are beautiful. I thank you for another little girl. I thank you for the things in my life. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful for a church family. I've never been in a church like this before. I got my phone blown up because people were saying, hey, do you need a house to stay in? What about this rental house? Hey, do you need a a moving truck? I got one. Do you need a trailer? I got one. What do you need? Let me help you. People have volunteered their time to help us. Why? Because when you turn to God and you thank Him for what you already got, baby, then guess what? He's always there to give you the peace of God. Watch this in the next verse. And the peace of God is there. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. God, I don't understand it. I don't know why, but he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what it's all about. Can I tell you, we put an offer in on that house. It was accepted. We close in two weeks. Let's go. Jesus, it's it's all about him. And can I tell you through this process, we've had to run this pace, the pace of God. Can I tell you we've needed his peace? Come on, a lot of us, we just need his peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the ups and the downs and the I don't know where else to go. We needed his peace. And now more than ever, church, can I tell you, we need to live a lifestyle of number three, purity. You see the alliteration, the pace, the peace. We need to live this lifestyle of purity. Joseph has been faithful up until this point. He's, he's worked hard. And really this, this story, he's, he's this innocent young man. But I, I really wanna show you this picture. And, and I, I heard this once before, but I never really put any validation to it. But I, I wanna read this to you and I wanna set this up for you. Uh, Joseph was obviously a handsome young Hebrew man, and uh, he got a lot of attention, um, but he was godly. He was pure. And uh, Potiphar's wife actually took a liking to him. She liked little Hebrew boys. She said, hey, Joseph, hey. And several times she would offer herself to him, and he's like, no, I'm not about that. Get away from me. This is, I cannot do any, I cannot do this wicked thing, the Bible says. I, I just can't do it. That's, that's not of God. But one day, he got put in a very vulnerable situation. And chapter 39, verse 11, reads like this. One day, he went into the house to attend his duties. Now, you have to understand that Joseph is still a slave. He still had responsibilities that he had to to do. And he went to do his daily responsibilities. This is something he did one day, every day. He would do this particular thing. He would go in the house, he would, he would clean the house, or he would pick up things, and he, would, he was over the entire house. And watch what happens next. And none of the household servants was inside. Red flag, Joseph. Red flag, no one's there. Run! <laughs> but watch this in verse 12. She caught him. She caught him. Potiphar's wife caught him by his cloak 
She said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He did what he was supposed to do, and that's good. He ran. And in verse 19, we end up seeing that she tells Potiphar, she tells her husband, listen, he tried to get with me. He tried to holler at me. And he left his cloak. He burned with passion. And he was coming after me. And this is your slave. This is how he treated me. He burned with anger in verse 20. It says, Joseph's master, Potiphar, he took him and he put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. I want you to understand this. So we go back and we look at verse 11. No one was inside. That should have been the first red flag for Joseph. This dude goes on his daily responsibilities and daily duties, and he doesn't know that no one is there. But yet he knows he's been hollered at before. Potiphar's wife has been trying to get with him all of this time. And that doesn't send you a red flag. Hello? Can I tell you, accountability and purity is going to take intentionality. Can I tell you that purity is not going to happen by accident? You're not going to just happenstance, I'm pure. No, 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 it's going to take purpose. It's going to take purpose through this process. Can I tell you, church, that if we want to be pure, we want to live this lifestyle of purity through this process, it's going to take intentionality, accountability, and consistency. And if we want success through the process, we need to be willing to pursue purity. I'm going to tell you this story about Brett, and then I'll close. A year ago, so not this, this past summer, but a year, we were at Twin Lakes Campground at, at youth camp, and Brett was literally just, God was doing some things in his life and just the power of process, right? Aren't you glad you're not where you once were, that God has a process to take you and to grow you? But one specific night, Brett was prayed for, and I want to show that picture. That's Brett in the, oh, man, didn't get me last service. This is Brett being prayed over in the altar at youth camp. And I never forget that same night, moments later, after praying and believing for God to do a miracle and countless other students, I began to sat back, sit back, and I noticed every, every one of our students was worshiping and they're praising God and they're lifting their hands and they're going after Jesus and Brett was one of them. I never forget that moment because the song that he sang today was the same song that they were singing and worshiping to it that day. And the words rang out, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. And as I began to look at Brett and he worshiped, singing that song and praising, and then he come full circle. Now he's leading us in worship in the same moment, singing the same song. Come on. <laughs> 
God began to speak to me right there what would come today. He said, Weston, if I am faithful to do a work in that young man, if I am faithful to turn his life around, how faithful am I to turn lives around of every other student, of every other individual? We didn't know what we would face in this current day, but how many know God is still faithful? He was faithful then, and he's faithful now. And so many times... We say, well, Pastor Weston, how many times, how, how will I make it to the season? How will I make it through the process? How can I make it through the challenge? It's going to take walking at a pace, pursuing his peace and pursuing purity. Because if he doesn't pursue purity, then what is he pursuing? Pursuing purity looks like something. It looks like something, church. And guess what? When it has a look, people notice. People notice. People notice the difference in Brett's life. Man, bro, what is different about you? Jesus. Jesus. That's what it's all about. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. If you sit here today and you would be so honest with yourself, with Jesus, say, Pastor Weston, listen, I... I'm not pursuing him. I know I'm not, but I know I need to. I'm not living a lifestyle of purity. And listen, I'm not, purity is not just, we're not talking about just sexual purity. We're talking about pure in Jesus. We're talking about a pure lifestyle, biblical purity. What the Bible says and what, how the Bible defines purity living above reproach, living a pure lifestyle. Are you pure with your language? As Brett even said, that was in his testimony. Living a lifestyle of purity, having pure thoughts, a pure mind. How's your language? How's your lifestyle? Listen, if you would be so honest today and you say, Pastor Weston, listen, I'm not living the pure life that God has called me to. I don't, I don't know Jesus how I should. You're pursuing your own pace. And if you would be so honest, say, Pastor Weston, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I need him to be my savior, my Lord. I need to walk at his pace. I need to pursue his purity, his peace. Would you be so honest and say, hey, Pastor Weston, that's me. Would you lift your hand? on all over this place one two three four five six seven come on jesus 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 thank you jesus you can put your hands down anybody else anybody else i see you i see you come on church this is what we're we're going to do with heads bowed and eyes closed we're going to pray this prayer out loud together as a family we don't want to leave anybody out if you raised your hand or even if you didn't we're going to pray this prayer together come on say jesus I need you. Take my life. Make it yours. I repent of my sin and I let go of my past. Have your way in me. I love you and I thank you for what you're doing in me. I accept you, Jesus. Do a new thing, a fresh thing in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, give Jesus some praise. Amen.